It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A very good Thursday morning to you. I had, I think it was an email in last week from a listener who has a child in the under seven age group and was wondering when are they going to get the free GP visit cards you need to go to the doctor and it's very expensive and we were promised it and uh, when is it happening well it seems talks on uh, what have been now long delayed rollout of those free uh, GP uh, cards uh, to not just there's one cohort the six and seven year olds but there's also another cohort of uh, adults but half a million people are expected to get a GP a free GP visit card they're expected to conclude at the end of this month. Now the promise had been to extend eligibility to about 100,000 children but also there was a promise for about 400,000 adults who would get a free GP care car card and that was because they were going they are going to relax the means uh, testing and that's all been de- delayed obviously because it got announced it got announced in last October's budget but I remember at the time doctors were up in arms and the doctors groups were up in arms saying we knew nothing about this. We were never told about this. And obviously they know that their workload is going to increase. So the announcement was made and then the department said, OK, we need to start negotiating and getting into talks with all of the various doctor groups. So those talks have been ongoing uh, and the message coming out now, they are about to wrap up. The Department of Health Secretary General, that's Robert Watt, he was speaking at the Oireachtas Health Committee yesterday and he said the deadline now for the completion of talks with the doctors is the end end of this month. He did admit that the talks are dragging on and that they have been very time consuming. GPs will get extra practice supports. That's what they are they're being promised. But it's still unclear how many of the GP practices will actually be able to take on newly eligible patients. Why? Because many GP practices around the country their lists are closed. We are forever getting uh, calls and texts in from people who move to a new area saying finding it impossible to uh, find a doctor. Now that's not just something that's happening here. I know uh, I read online of a girl who moved to uh, Galway and uh, she has to travel back to Dublin for her doctor because she couldn't get a GP anywhere in the Galway area where she was living and that's replicated all over uh, the country. So this news now is coming as members of the committee 
committee, the Oireachtas committee, had criticised the way the HSE have been assessing people for discretionary medical uh, cards. The committee chairman yesterday, Sean Crow, said he knew of people who were quite ill, facing very high expenses, having to produce medical reports from various doctors. And people before profit uh, TD, Gino Kenny, also says the system appears cruel and arbitrary. And in response two members of the Oireachtas Committee raising about these discretionary uh, cards. Uh, Sean Flanagan is the Assistant National Director of the Primary Care Reimbursement Service. Yes, there is such a service. He said that any means test system is intrusive and he did acknowledge if somebody has a cancer diagnosis it can be hugely challenging to go through the process. And you know, because we know if somebody gets cancer, they are then entitled to a discretionary medical card. But I think the fact that they make that a protracted system whereby it's still a means test. To me, once somebody has a cancer diagnosis for the duration of their treatment, they should just be able to get a note from a doctor, from a consultant or a doctor to say, Joe Bloggs has unfortunately been diagnosed with cancer. His treatment is ongoing and give that person the discretionary medical card. But to think that there are delays, which is then we already know from the Irish Cancer Society, when somebody gets gets a cancer diagnosis, there's a huge financial uh, implication. And if you add on to that the high expense expenses that would be covered under under a medical card and somebody knows they're entitled to the medical card but they've got to fight the system in order to get it. It does, does, I think Gino Kenny is right, it does seem particularly cruel. And actually staying with the, the HSE and we often talk about the amount of money that goes into the HSC and yet they always seem to be overspent. They always seem to need uh, more money. I was thrilled to read in the papers today that the HSC Chief Executive Bernard Gloucester has ordered his finance team to slash the amount of money they spend on private management consultants and see what he wants a saving of up to 40 million euro. And of course, the multi-million cost of these are external advisors that very much came into sharp focus when the Irish Examiner recently revealed that the Cork University Hospital, just it on its own, had spent 608,000 euro. That's over a half a million on Cooper consultants. And wait for this, that was in the space of just three months. At the Oireachtas, at the, that same Oireachtas Health Committee meeting yesterday, Bernard Gloucester of the HSC admitted that the HSE's dependency on these companies has simply grown too high. The Green Party health spokesperson Nasser Harrigan has queried why this work is not being done in-house. There are so many workers within the HSE. Why do they constantly need to go outside to private management consultants? And it's a huge sum of money uh, is spent. Bernard Gloucester told Nasser Harrigan that an initial uh, the, an initial estimate on management consultancy fees. Now, remember, this is management consultancy fees costs for last year were somewhere between 120 million and 180 million. Now, he said the figure is probably somewhere in the region of 113 million. And that's where his target is focused on. So he said in terms of cost reduction and reduced dependency, he has now told the chief financial officer of the HSE, he has given that person a target this week to reduce that 113 million expenditure 
and he wants that reduced by 30% and he said he wants 30% to commence in September for the last quarter of this year and then across next year he said the full effect would be a saving of somewhere between 35 million and 40 million and you know something I have to agree with some of the health unions who came out straight away when they heard about this discussion yesterday and they say it simply is not going far enough. The Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation, their General Secretary, Phil Hay, she says that that 30% reduction in the use of external consultancy agencies for management, remember, it's not extra nurses and doctors. She said it is not, it's not adequate and she said it's simply not ambitious enough. She said, we want the HSE's over-reliance on external management consultancy agencies to simply cease. Forza Health and Welfare uh, Union, they welcomed any uh, improvements, particularly any improvements in transparency, but they also don't believe that 30% is uh, sufficient. Forza notes that the comments made in the Oireachtas uh, Committee um, uh, they were alarmed at the vast amounts of public monies that's been spent uh, and questioned, is this the best use of funding from the Exchequer? And actually, I also saw Labour um, TD for Corky's, uh, Sean Sherlock, who actually is joining us on the programme uh, this morning on another issue. He says that it suggests to him that this is an acknowledgement by the CEO of the HSE, of a culture of over-dependency on these services. He says the big surprise now is how the figure of 30% was actually arrived at and whether it is classed as an overspend. He said it's still not clear whether patients see better outcomes uh, because of it. And that's that's a good question if they are spending all of that money on management consultancies, outside private management consultancies, can they show that they got value for money on the amount of money that they spent? And I'd have to agree, why is it not all done in-house? Do they not have enough management within the HSE? Just got a traffic note in to say that the traffic lights are out of order on the southbound exit of the Dunkettle Interchange roundabout. So please exercise extreme caution when you're approaching the tunnel from the roundabout and from the N25. Now, C103, we're proud media sponsors for this year's Cork Summer Show, which is happening this weekend, Saturday and uh, Sunday. People can go along and enjoy Munster's largest outdoor food market. There's horticulture, there's cookery demonstrations, there's farm animals up close and personal. And of course, there's wonderful live music. It's described as a day out and fun for all of the family. Tickets are available on CorkSummerShow.com. But every day this week, we have a family ticket which admits two adults and two children. There's also lunch uh, vouchers, there's free amusement rides as all part of the prize. Later on today, I'll be giving you a question about a Cork place that you might like to visit this summer. If you know the answer, we'll be looking for a text or a WhatsApp a little bit uh, later on. But your chance to win that wonderful family package of prizes for the Cork Summer Show this year. Now, two significant tranches of land at the former Irish sugar factory in Mallow which of course has lain idle now following the factory's closure some 17 years ago. They've gone on the market for sale at combined guide price of 2.2 million euro. Local Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock says the site should return to the people of the area for both jobs and houses and Sean Sherlock uh, joins me. Good morning to you Sean. 
Good morning, Patricia. Now, it'll never reopen as a sugar factory, even though I can see some people say, suggesting uh, today would that not be a good use for it. But there had been talks of this Mallow West. It was a mixed-use development that was under the control of Greencore. Is that plan now well dead in the water? Well, uh, I, I think as far as Greencore is concerned, I, I think the answer is yes, because they're now selling the site and they're not now no, going to develop the site uh, as, a, as a residential area. Uh, under this Mallow West uh, proposal. But I think the sale of the site now, uh, you know, with a guide price of approximately 2.2 million and it's a 145-acre site, uh, perhaps presents an opportunity at a time when there is a need for more housing and there is a need for an industrial policy and a need to create jobs uh, you know, on site such as this, that the prospect of the site being sold to an entity like an Enterprise Ireland or IDA, the Industrial Development Authority, which are state-owned, should be looked at. And that's why I'm, you know, putting out this idea that uh, if a state entity was to come in and look at the site, there may be an opportunity uh, there for, for job creation. And, you know, I, I had made some interventions in the last number of years with Greencore through an entity that had an interest in purchasing the site uh, and wanted to develop the site perhaps with the potential of utilising it as a solar farm. And that that proposal, you know, it, it, it didn't bear fruit, unfortunately. But how I do think that if Greencore are selling it, though, that there is a, a corporate social responsibility here, not just to sell it to anybody, but to sell it to an entity that has at its heart, uh, you know, a, a moral obligation, if you will, to ensure that, uh, you know, it's done so in a way that either creates jobs or enhances the community. Yeah, that it would benefit. It yeah, it would, benefit. It would benefit. Because, of course, for decades, that site was in state ownership. Well, this is the point, you see. So some people will say, oh, it's, it's a ridiculous idea. Why should the state uh, come back and, and, and purchase it again? But it's not so outlandish when you think of the fact that it was one of the key state industries, uh, Irish sugar. And I, I remember my my late father arguing in the doll that it should never be sold, uh, you know, that it should never have been uh, privatised. I remember when the legislation was going through, he argued against the privatisation because the number of industrial jobs that it created and the idea was that, you know, you would always need to produce sugar uh, in on the island of Ireland. And if you look at global market price for sugar now, I mean, there's never been a need for us to have some self-sufficiency in relation to uh, producing sugar. Uh, but but unfortunately, you know, that didn't happen. And we're now back to a situation where what you have out there is, you know, uh, an unused jewel, I think, uh, of, of a piece of land that could be used to benefit, uh, you know, the, the people of the area. If you had an industrial policy around it, that would have a, a mix of jobs say, for instance, maybe around the idea of alternative energy production uh, and and maybe some residential and, and maybe restoring some of it back to the people maybe as as a, an amenity that could be used as a green space for people to enjoy as well. Because Yeah, I remember, I remember Councillor Jean-Paul O'Shea, I think it was back in 2019, he had suggested it could be used as a regional hub for, for the bioeconomy sector. Is, is, is that something you think should be looked at? Well, 
the bioeconomy, what does that mean? I mean, I don't know exactly when people use terms like the bioeconomy. I don't know what the bioeconomy is, to be honest about it. I'd be kind of more practical and say, well, you'd probably, in order for the site to be uh, feasible, you'd probably uh, need a mix. But remember that there there is probably a lot of works that would have to be done in relation to you know, exploring and examining what is ex- exactly in the ground there. Is it the subject of an EPA license now, for instance? Are, is the, are there leachates there? Are there, you know, how do you manage the lagoons there, for instance? And I think whoever's coming in to look at it, first of all, I think that, and I've written to Greencore on this, I've written to Dalton Phillips, the CEO of Irish Sugar, or of Greencore, and I've said, look, you don't just sell this to the highest bidder. Uh, you, you have to sell this to somebody who has an active interest in ensuring that it will enhance the community. Uh, and if you have a mix of, of, of an offering there of, you know, alternative energy use, uh, you know, if you're talking about if, if the bioeconomy is something like producing alternative fuels, well, then that's something that could be looked at as well, you know. But I do think it should be used partly for job creation, partly for amenity uh, and partly for uh, some some type of residential proposal there as well. But I do think that it's not an outlandish proposal for the state to come in to, to look at it through one of its job creation agencies like Enterprise mm. Ireland or like the IDA. Yes. Uh, because I think you, it should not be overlooked as a potential site for an advanced factory, for instance. Uh, you know, if you look at the growth of the pharmaceutical sector, if you look at the growth of, uh, you know, data centers and so on and so forth. Th- these are all proposals, I think, that could be could be looked at. And, you know, Patricia, when you think about the number of jobs, like I myself, like, my, like that factory put food on many's a table throughout North Cork, whether you were a farmer supplying, whether you were a worker in the factory, whether you had a trade within the factory. You know, there are so many families that were sustained by that factory. I, I had the privilege of working a campaign there uh, after I left college. Yeah. And it was it was a fantastic experience for the people that I met uh, there. And I, I had a summer job there one year as well. And, you know, you've met great people, sound the soundest people you could ever hope to meet. And it, it would be great that... You know, if if people, if we felt that in North Cork, you know, if you take the the, the amount of people that came off farms in in the North Cork region west of Mallow who came in and used to do the campaign in Mallow and then, you know, farm the land in in, in the the other months of the year, it sustained so many families. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we should give it up so easily or lose it so easily. Someone said that they thought there was a suggestion that Irish Rail had an interest in the sugar factory as a maintenance yard. I haven't heard that myself, but I, th- I think we could be imaginative because you do have a rail spur there. Yeah. And so I think any and all options should, should be, be looked, looked at. at. But, uh, but I suppose from Green Corps' point of view, uh, Sean, you know, they're a business. They're going to say whoever comes up with the most money, they're going to say it should go, it'll go to the highest uh, bidder. But your point is you feel they have a moral obligation to the area. I, I do, and increasingly, what I'm hearing from corporate entities now, like Green Corps, is that uh, every corporate entity that is a serious corporate entity has a whole raft of policies around corporate social responsibility, and they also now have to be able to prove that uh, what they're doing is in line with things like climate action or climate mitigation, 
Uh, and they are all very concerned about their reputation in those regards. If Greencore and Dalton Phillips, the chief executive, who was also the previous chief executive of the Dublin Airport Authority, is serious about their duty to society in terms of corporate social responsibility and in terms of environmental and social goods, then they have to be very much conscious about who they sell it to. Uh, because there is a reputational issue here in respect of of Greencore and where they sit in, in the world. And what Greencore won't want is people like me who have a voice, uh, you know, excoriating them if they, if they go down to the lowest common denominator in terms of how they sell this site. So I think that they have a moral obligation uh, to be able to sell it to somebody who will deal with the site responsibly and add to the value uh, to society, to the community, to the environment in terms of how they treat the site thereafter. Okay, okay. All right. and uh, just before I let you go, I actually mentioned your name earlier when I was uh, starting the programme. I was uh, talking about that at Rep- the Oireachtas Health Committee yesterday and the, and the HSE Chief Executive Bernard Gloucester uh, ordering his finance team now to slash the spending on private management consultants by up to uh, £40 million. It not it really hard to justify how the HSE spend so much money on private management consultants? Well, I, I'm glad, Patricia, that Bernard Gloucester has come in uh, as chief executive uh, because I've been talking about this for four years now at least uh, since pre, pre-COVID. I, I mean... A culture has built up within the HSC where they're very quick now to go out to the consulting houses and spend untold amounts of taxpayers' money uh, for for advices on all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, we don't know where the value for money was coming from because we haven't seen any enhanced services in terms of, you know, how patients interact with the service or, you know, better outcomes for patients necessarily uh, and for anybody that uses HSC services. So I'm glad he's come in. I'm glad he's put a figure of approximately 30% uh, on, on cutting uh, in terms of cutting the expenditure on outside consultations like that. Uh, but the question remains as to where is the transparency in what was being spent up to now? Mm. And I think there are further questions now of the HSE in terms of how they spend their money. But at least he's off on the right foot in terms of slashing that spend because we could never believe how easy it was for the HSE to procure outside consultancy without anybody ever questioning or, or, or seeking a justification for what it is. And at the same time, then, people like me dealing with lists for access to all sorts of uh, services that people are entitled to but are not getting in a timely fashion. It was just a complete contradiction uh, in terms and a waste of taxpayers' money, but at least now there's some transparency around that. And But we do need to... We, like, we need to know where the money is going. Yeah. And this whole philosophy about the money following the patient clearly doesn't arise in this case. If you're going out to all of these consulting houses, and I won't name them, uh, you know, on air, but, uh, you know, where was the value for money for the patient? And obviously there's a tacit acknowledgement by the HSE that they were spending way over the odds. And, you know, it's, 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 being, it's money, basically, that's going being used by the taxpayer through the HSE to procure services. And we don't know what it's being used for, per se, and whether or not it's developing value for money. And clearly it's not. If, if Bernard well, Gloucester, Gloucester is in saying we need to cut it straight away. We need yeah. to cut it straight All right. away. Okay, listen, um, Sean, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme.
Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, Labour Doll Deputy for uh, Cork East, uh, Sean Sherlock. Uh, Michael says, why not we build a modern sugar beet factory or any kind of factory that would create employment in the area? Uh, Michael says, I can think of many such factories, especially that would be benefited, would, that would benefit agriculture. Yes, housing is required, but build housing inside of the town of Mallow, not out at the old uh, sugar factory site. Now, an increasing number of schools are taking action to try to ensure mobile phone free learning environments during the school day. De La Salle College in Churchtown in Dublin are planning to get students to place their phones in a yonder pouch each morning which automatically locks the phone away and the principal of uh, De La Salle College Siobhan Foster uh, joins me this morning. Good morning to you Siobhan. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. And firstly, well done, by the way, on this. Well done. Now, did you consult with parents and students before deciding to introduce these yonder pouches? Uh, We did, of course. I think the most important thing is to try and get as much buy-in as possible before you introduce any of these new initiatives. So, first so all we did, we consulted with parents, we sent them out a very, very simple survey, first of all, to ask them would they welcome a phone-free school environment, and the result came back over 85% said an overwhelming yes, they would, and the small percentage that had reservations were just concerned that they felt that their their child needed the phone going home in the evening time. So then we followed up with information about the Yonder initiative, that it wasn't about taking the phone from them, but it was about giving the students the responsibility to put the phones into these Yonder pouches. And then at the end of the school, they'd be locked away. They'd, they'd be locked uh, by sort of a magnetic system. And then they keep the pouches on their person in their school bags, whatever, for the school day. They have that responsibility. And on leaving the school, there's stations all around the exits of the school and they just tap in into the station and the, the pouch is released and they have their phone back again. So I think that reassured parents. And we also had an information night there recently with incoming first year parents and we showed them the pouches and did a little demonstration and they were overwhelmingly coming up to me saying can we do this at home is there something like this that we can <laughs> buy to bring to bring for home so I think Yonder themselves are in the process of developing something for personal use and family use so watch this space yeah mm. and uh, any kickback from the students themselves of course, look at, at the same time, we have to get buy-in from students. So again, we um, had a number of assemblies. I spoke with the student council. We brought Yonder. Part of the support you get from Yonder is that they come and they do an information session with the students. So we had all the students every single year had had an assembly, had a talk. And that was mainly to try and give them the rationale, right, around why this initiative would benefit their lives. So, you know, went through the usual that we all know that it would improve their academics, their concentration, their social, their interpersonal skills, their mental health, you know, and it give them six hours of freedom away from, from those phones where they're constantly influenced by what's happening online. So they had those talks. And in addition to that, we have a well-being, a strong well-being week in the school. And we had our local community guard, Nile Russell guard, Nile Russell, he came in and he talked about the dangers from a legal perspective as well as a mental health perspective. So they have a lot, they know the rationale, they know that it benefits them. But of course, you know, when you sit teenagers, you're not going to have access to this, you know, um, phone for 
for the next six hours, there's going to be kickback. So we decided that we would trial it for the last three days of term. You know, I know that there's lots of other schools in the country that are doing the same thing. And in fact, there's schools ahead of us. I think there's a couple in Cork even that have introduced the pouch already. But we decided that we would um, do a three-day trial just yeah. see what the reaction sort of to 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 give them a bit of a baptism of fire before they come back in September so we thought we'd get the kickback over and done with <laughs> before September so and afterwards like there was a few hiccups you know on day two a couple forgot them so we addressed that you know the, the their phones were taken from them by the deputy principal for that day the next day they had their pouch because they have the phone themselves which I think is a different is something different you know yeah you're not and then locking when, you're not locking that you're not locking the phone away. You're not taking it off them when they walk into no, the school. No, they physically no, have it no, with no, them no. all day. Yeah, they have it. They have it for the day, but it's locked away in that pouch. And when we did the survey uh, afterwards, we said, well, look, at how did you feel about that? 40% said positive, which we couldn't believe. 10% they neither felt positive nor negative. They were just, yeah, that's fine. But 50% said negative. But we thought that was a fantastic, yeah. relatively positive baseline because no teenager wants that power taken away from them. And they are so attached. And I think that every mother and father out there who has teenagers know how difficult it is to curtail use or even dare attempt to take it from them, you know, as a sanction. So we tried to explain to them, look at this isn't a sanction, this isn't a punishment. This is something that's going to improve our educational environment here from an academic, from a social, from a mental health perspective. So they get it, but it's another thing putting it into practice, you know. Yeah, so, but I, th- I, think yeah, the key the, I think the key to the success is everyone is in the same boat. It's not that half yeah. the students have the phone and half don't. We've spoken with yeah. some, some schools who have introduced where they've got the buy-in from the parents that they won't buy their son or daughter a smartphone until after they leave primary school and it takes away yes. that pressure of everyone else in the class has one so you're mm-hmm. removing that as well because everyone is in the same boat do you also hope Siobhan that it, it will help to minimise cyberbullying well look at we talked about that even with with the the students you know how and and so did the guard as well that how dangerous communication interaction can be and the consequences that can have for them you know at a mental level legally even and yes we are because they won't have access to the phones during the school day that kind of negative interaction is minimized you're minimizing the risk of that you're minimizing them going see what can happen is is that if they have the phone and we say like prior to this we we had we still had school rule you know no phone use but you know the responsibility was for them to turn it off but as you well know with phones they can they can turn it off but put it on silent and then if they go to the bathroom we we didn't know you know it's the one area that you can't have cameras in it's the one area that's hard to police so it was very very hard to know what interaction could happen in that in those kind of places and I think every principal around the country will agree with me that's the very that's huge difficulty for us so you're always a one fear, fearful that there could be breaches of child protection or there could be health and safety breaches so with this initiative they cannot open their phones when they are put their phones on when they're in those private areas yeah. so we're hoping that at least for the six hours that they're with us they can't in, they can't interact at that in that negative way now that so so we're hoping then by 
application that that will reduce down that kind of like bullying that could happen and does happen in schools. But unfortunately, you know, when they go back out and well, what happens beyond the school day and outside the school is another story. And when, when those incidents do happen outside of school, very often the fallout is in school and we end up having to spend a lot of time trying to deal with it and support families and students through those incidences. So hopefully, fingers yeah. crossed, Patricia, that this is one way. I mean, there's no magic solution here at the moment. It's interesting. One of the things I learned from Yonder is that Australia are way ahead of us here. And they have been, I think that they've begun to legislate in certain, certain regions for the banning of mobile phones in secondary schools, you know, and they're looking at it to do it nationally later on in the year. So it'll be interesting to see what initiatives like this, what's What's the, the result of it? As I said, because we've only started it, you know, come back to me in a year's exactly, time and see how, you're going on. how but, successful but, but it I know was. I'm, you know, what yeah, are the pitfalls, you know? Yeah, only recently we had uh, Tommy Tiernan uh, playing in Live at the Marquee and his yeah. gigs are, are, are they, they use the Yonder pouches as well. And, yeah. and I couldn't get over the number of people who went along and said it was fantastic. Like, you just, yeah. you forgot about your phone. I, so I think we're going to start seeing more and more of these pouches pouch has been used. Yeah, I agree with you, Patricia, because it's just about, you know, we talk about mindfulness, but it's about being more present in the moment, just focusing in on the task at hand instead of being distracted by the buzzing of my the watch saying, oh, I have a message or, mm. you know, even wanting to record those gigs. And, you you know, or if you're at a, at a concert and you're recording the gig, well, you're actually missing the live experience that's on stage. So, yes, I 100% agree with you, Patricia. Okay, but and I know I think that the students understand that. Sorry, Yonder reckon there's about 50 schools uh, will be signing yes. up by this September. So hopefully more will yeah. uh, follow suit. And, you, and your exams are underway at the moment, Siobhan. Are they, are they all going well for your they students? Are, they're all going well, thank God, apart from the, 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 the outcry with the higher the level maths. maths yeah, you had to take a deep breath and get on with it. That's then. it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Listen, Siobhan, it was a real pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for that. And, and good luck Likewise. with it in September. Thank you, Patricia. Take Thanks care. for joining bye-bye. us. Uh, bye-bye. What a lovely principal. That is Siobhan Foster. Uh, she's principal of De La Salle College in uh, Churchtown in Dublin. Interesting to hear us say that some Cork schools are already up and running. Does anybody know which Cork schools are running the yonder uh, pouches making in which the students put away their phones for the day? And I think it's terrific because if you get buy-in, obviously you've got to get the buy-in from the parents and from the students as Siobhan has done in her school when everybody has their phone locked away in the pouch that's how it, that's how it will work and they, it'll be wonderful then to see the young people at break time talking to each other instead of everybody's heads being buried in a phone 0818 103 103 would you like to see your school uh, introduce it for your sons and daughters let us know are indeed the young people are on their summer holidays except for the ones that are doing the exams uh, how would you feel if your school introduced where you're phone gets locked into a pouch it's with you all day it's not somebody taking your phone away for you but the, when it's in these yonder pouches it blocks the signal so basically the phone can't work until it's unlocked at the end of the day and then you get your phone back but tomorrow Friday we'll be continuing with our Ours to Protect uh, feature that we launched last week tomorrow we're going to hear about the UCC Green Shoots initiative on how to make your garden more environmentally friendly how to start introducing organic planting into your garden and where do you go if you like to join a community garden group in uh, Cork. That and more tomorrow on our Ours to Protect uh, feature at about 11.40 tomorrow morning. 0818 103 103. Martin in Mitchestown 
Jacob was listening to the weather forecast that uh, I just read out there after the news at 11 and in North Munster area we can expect thunderstorms with some spot flooding uh, this afternoon. Martin says people need to be very careful when there is thunder and lightning and Martin remembers a number of years ago where a council worker was out cleaning the dikes and there was thunder and lightning, but he continued uh, working. And obviously the shovel must have been struck by a bolt of uh, lightning. And unfortunately, the man passed away. He died from the, been struck by the lightning. It's not really unfortunate. And that's kind of what we often refer to, the man with the shovel, when people say, bring back the man with the shovel in the council that we don't see uh, anymore. But that's a very, very unfortunate incident. Uh, I can't say that I'm aware of it, but Martin in Mitchestown, it reckons it happened a number of years ago. I did see, you might have spotted this on the news last night, of a woman in, was it in County Offaly? Yeah, Burr in County Offaly who was making a cup of coffee when lightning struck her house and uh, she um, ended up avoiding serious injury because of the runners she was uh, wearing. Now her daughter arrived and she was a bit shook after it all. She literally I saw her on TV last night. She literally made a cup of coffee and she was standing in front of uh, the sink and it's thought that the bolt of lightning must have struck the outside tap because the outside tap, which in, is in my house and it is in many houses it's connected to the sink inside in the kitchen. So it struck the outside tap and then of course travelled through to the sink and the, the tap in the sink and she was there you know, with a spoon, just put in, after stirring a cup of coffee, put it into the sink and then, of course, the bolts of lightning went uh, through her. Now, her daughter arrived and she was a bit shook by the whole thing. So she took her, rightly, I think, to the local Midlands Regional Hospital and it was at the hospital they told her the rubber in the soles of the shoes that she was wearing, she had a pair of runners on her, the doctors there reckoned that that's what uh, saved her, as well as the fact she kept her feet firmly planted on the ground and I didn't realise that you meant to do that if God forbid you're struck by lightning hopefully you'll have rubber in the soles of your shoes but you need to keep your feet firmly planted on the ground and do I assume that's for the lightning to go through you and then down into the ground is that what that theory is is all about but yeah it was uh, really frightening indeed so and with all this real warm weather that we're having at the moment and this high uh, humidity, there's been thunder and lightning in various parts of the country all week. And as I say, the North Munster area is expected to get a blast of thunder and lightning this afternoon. So please, please uh, be careful. 0818 103 103 Passports. Remember we spoke about passports yesterday on the programme and this was to do with the number of emails and calls that we didn't from people who we're getting a little bit frustrated with the passport office and in particular with applying for a passport online. Now, we know it's a very, very successful and quick turnaround. If you go online, this is for renewing of a passport. Now, if you're going for a first-time passport, it is a different story and there has been some long delays to do with first-time passports. But for a simple, straightforward renewal, you can do it all online and it's a very simple procedure and you can have your passport back within days. I mean, literally within days. We've had countless numbers of people messaging and contacting us uh, since this online for renewal of passports got introduced with people saying, applied for my passport on Monday afternoon and by Wednesday I had it in the post or by Thursday I had it in the post. Very, very quick turnaround. 
but that's as long as everything goes according to plan. But there seemed to be a problem with some of our listeners when it came to uploading the photograph. And even though people say they submitted the photograph and they got a tick to say, yeah, you've su- successfully uploaded your photograph. But then a couple of days later or in, in one case, I think a week later, uh, but generally speaking, a couple of days later, you get an email back from the passport office saying, unfortunately, your photograph wasn't successful. Please submit another one. And of course, that leads to delays then on your actual and when your passport will actually arrive. And OK, it's all well and good if you're not if you don't urgently need your passport. That's why we all need to check the dates on our passport so that you're not sort of doing it with weeks left to go to going away on holidays. And of course, we know people have missed out on trips because a passport hasn't come back on time. So we decided to get onto the passport office. Now, John Paul says that there isn't a press office that he normally is able to communicate uh, with. So we had to get on to the uh, department of which department did you get on to? Department of Justice. Foreign Affairs, thank you. I couldn't remember which one was doing it. So we did on the Department of Foreign Affairs yesterday to find out what was going on with the passports. And they've come back to us with a lengthy, um, a lengthy statement. I don't need to get into all of it. They're just saying, you know, how, how great they are and it's how um, innovative it is to have this passport online. And we accept all of that. And when it works, it works really well. Anyway, they say the system will carry out an initial check upon upload of your photograph and it will reject the photograph if it detects problems. Once the system has accepted the photo, and that's what people were saying, they got the blue tick, the applicant then can proceed to the next stage of the, applic- of the application. But they say this is not a definitive confirmation that the photo reaches all the requirements. A passport service officer may then subsequently detect an issue with the photo which the system was unable to detect. And that was the point I was making. They do a visual check on all of the photographs and it is at that stage then that the passport office, after the passport service officer detects a problem with it, they will then send you back out an email requesting a new photograph because the quality of the one you sent in didn't meet their standards. Now they do say the number of requests for photographs to be resubmitted in 2022 represented just 6% of the total over 1 million passports were issued by the online service last year and they say just 6% they had to go back to ask the people to resubmit them. They say the passport office also has a video guide for applicants to assist them with the photo submission process and that can be viewed on the Department of Foreign Affairs website where the passport service needs to request a new photo from the applicant. Every effort is made to let the applicant know as soon as possible. But I think Trisha, who kicked this all off because it was Trisha who had emailed us, she was just very unfortunate because she had twice sent in her photograph. She had started by going online on the 24th of May. She was initially giving, given a date of the 9th of June. So she was saying, great, I'll have my passport uh, back in time. Then there was a problem with the photograph. She resubmitted another one. Then there was a new estimated dispatch date. It went to the 19th of June. And then when she messaged us uh, this week, she just got another Email to say the photograph was unsuccessful. So I don't know how she, so she was on to her third time and uh, hopefully she'll keep us informed when she does get her uh, passport. So they say there's a small number, just 6%. But if you're one of the 6% and you're getting very, very frustrated, 
in waiting for a passport and it could end up with you losing out on a trip. I know somebody contacted us yesterday and I know John Paul was trying to make contact with them of somebody who was trying to go, I think it was on a trip to Lourdes with their daughter who wasn't very well and they wanted to bring them on a, a pilgrimage uh, to Lourdes and I think they've missed out on the trip because the passport hasn't come back in time and that's when problems really start to arise and people get very, very frustrated with it. So if you're having problems with the photo maybe check out their video guide for applicants on the passport uh, service 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs now, community employment positions are available in Fomoy, in Kilworth and in Araglan. No experience is necessary and accredited training will be provided. Applicants must be over 21. You need to be in receipt of a qualifying social welfare payment for 12 months or more. Michelle is your contact 87 4599250. The Hibernian Hotel in Mallow have a vacancy for a full-time receptionist. CVs, please, for the attention of Tracy to info at hibernianhotelmallow.com. A practice nurse is wanted to work in Newmarket. Please email your CV to woodbrookfamilypractice at gmail.com. And health assistants and a social care worker are required for work in Charleville. Please apply either through the St. Joseph's Foundation website uh, or you can call Neve on 086 0843733. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Now today, Thursday, the 15th of June, is World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. And the Cork Kerry Community Healthcare is asking everyone... Check in on older people that they know, listen to them and if they have any concerns, support them and help them access the supports they may need. Miriam Tobin is Principal Social Worker with Safeguarding and the Protection Team and Miriam joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Miriam. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. I suppose, can you start by defining what elder abuse is? This isn't always necessarily physical abuse. No, um, unfortunately, Patricia, abuse can take many forms. Um, very frequently it is actually very subtle. It may be sometimes, you know, people become distressed in situations. They may shout at older people and they can ignore them when they're asking for assistance and help for prolonged periods of time. It may be, you know, sometimes they're helping with them with finances and they've got access to their money, collecting a pension, doing a bit of shopping for them. Then you find that they're buying some personal items with that money at the same time. And they don't even recognise sometimes that this is abuse, unfortunately. Um, but it is, and it's a very serious matter and has very negative consequences for the people who are impacted by that. Um, abuse can occur once off. It can be something very simple that happens once, but it's an incident that shouldn't occur ever. Um, and it may be an ongoing, I suppose, acts of omission or behaviours that people have that cause distress and have a negative impact on older, vulnerable people in our society. Yeah, and um, what is the most common form do you find in your work? Um, I suppose what we're finding is that there, when abuse occurs, it frequently happens with more than one issue. So financial abuse is 
a very significant issue that's occurring in society. But behind that, the psychological and emotional impact for somebody in managing the situation is extremely difficult. So abuse in one form tends to actually have multiple impacts of different types of abuse occurring. When somebody is physically assaulted, they are equally psychologically and emotionally abused by that process. Um, also, if they're being not listened to or if they're being ignored, this all of that psychological and emotional abuse is really, really negatively impacting so sometimes you find it's not one type of abuse, but there are multiple types of abuse actually occurring within one situation. And do some people just not realise what they are doing is wrong? I mean, do some people not even realise that they're no. abusing a loved one? No, and, and sometimes it's actually by not allowing people access services is a very difficult one whereby, you know, people are caring for their parents, grandparents in their home doing the best that they can. We fully recognise that. However, they may not want other people in their home, so they're refusing home health. They may be going to work, so they can't drop somebody to a day service or pick them up. And suddenly you found that you have an older person, very isolated, totally dependent on a a singular family member with no access to other supports and services that they might enjoy and would benefit from on a day-to-day basis. Nobody sets out to eliminate people and isolate people in that way but lives get busy and they don't even see that this is actually a really very difficult place for somebody to be at home, maybe locked in even because, you know, we'd be concerned that somebody would come into her during the day. So we've now locked the person in. Um, And that's a really serious, um, I suppose, isolation and separation for an older person to uh, by a loved one. So a very difficult situation. Yeah, I remember actually, Miriam, God, this was many, many years ago, talking with a gentleman who is whose wife, unfortunately, at the time had uh, dementia and he, he literally had no support. So if he needed to pop to the shops or needed to go to the pharmacy to collect meds for her or whatever, he used to lock her into the bedroom and he was doing that to protect, as he said and saw, to protect her. Now, it was only when it was pointed out to them that, you know, you you, you can't do that and supports were put in place. But God help him, at the time, he thought what he would never have thought he was abusing his wife. He loved his wife dearly and he thought he was doing it to protect her. Absolutely. And that's what I, I suppose I would like to emphasise that a lot of abuse is occurring without people recognising what they're doing isn't right. Um, and I suppose today is really about challenging that and ensuring that we are questioning, why, why, what am I doing? Am I doing it the best way I can do it? And if people are offering help and support, why am I not accepting it? Because it's being offered because it's a benefit and will add to a quality of life for somebody. And if the person themselves, absolutely, because we obviously need to ensure that we're hearing the vulnerable person, an older person, and their wishes and preferences are considered, but making sure that it is their decision, not anybody else's. It must be that we listen to the individual and that their choices are considered in all of the things that we're doing for them and how we're supporting them. Yeah. Are they okay with being locked in? Maybe, you know, sometimes maybe we, we have, we've come across a case whereby you can get really good locks, now very practical things whereby I can lock the outside of the door, but they can turn the thumbnail inside and they can let themselves out. Yeah, yeah. So we have loads of really clever things in society that can support people really well, that can reassure people for their safety, but yet make sure 
that we're not abusing them at the same time. Okay, but when there is then the more extreme form of abuse, I mean, I I can't even get my head around the physical abuse to an older person, but sadly it happens, or neglect or this emotional uh, uh, abuse. Are many older people afraid to report, Miriam? They are, unfortunately. Um, And as I said, many people are afraid because they are already maybe isolated and they're very concerned about what will this mean for me if I lose maybe the only person that's in my life at this moment in time who is supporting me, even though it's not the right support. So it is about encouraging people to recognise if it's not right, then they're not the right person and there can be other supports put in place and there are services to support people who feel isolated. Uh, that can be our service via safeguarding um, and we're available, but people also have their GPs, public health nurses. They may have a friend. They may have another family member they can go to. Um, we would really encourage and support people to make sure that they talk to somebody if there are concerns. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I saw uh, one of the quotes on your press release from an elderly person who said, you know, I'm afraid I won't see my grandchildren if yep. I don't agree with what they tell me to do. I mean, that is just beyond heartbreaking that an older person is agreeing, whatever it is, you know, be it offering financial support or whatever. But fear of not being able to see their grandchildren. It is. And that is a real fear that occurs or other family members that they'll be excluded more And if you're already being isolated and the fear of actually losing that little bit of connection you have, that's not very encouraging to take action to try to change something in your life. So that's why I suppose we're asking everybody, not just depending on older people themselves to speak up, we're asking people to go talk to older people they know, make sure that they're okay. You know, especially if they become more isolated, if people stop going to activities, if they start talking about, you know, oh, I don't have money for that or that's very expensive. If they're making excuses, that needs to be questioned um, and make sure that we're having those conversations. And if they do need help, that they're being supported to access that help. Yeah, the financial abuse in particular, Miriam, I, I would have a lot of concerns about at the moment because obviously yep. we have a cost of living uh, crisis. So somebody who is helping granny by picking up the pension may not be handing all of the pension back to yep. granny. Yeah, yeah. And, and even the fact that people are, you know, during COVID, a lot of older people would have handed over their either their pension cards or their back. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. 
you really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Cards because they weren't going out and there was a lot of fear. And we're finding now, you know, COVID has moved on. People are back out. And there is a reluctance maybe to give back those pension cards, to give back those bank cards. Um, there, there's a continuation of an action that was there to help that's now become abusive because actually the reason you were doing it isn't there anymore. So we would encourage people, you know, if you are responsible for supporting somebody with their money, check in. Is this still what they want? Is this actually okay? Because again, you may not intentionally be, you know, oh, we set this up and we just continue. But are you checking in to see that this is still what the person wants? Yeah, and would you hear of um, older people talking about the, the threat of, oh, they'll put me into a, a home. Yep. I'll, I'll be put into an old folks home. Was it, was it, does that still go on? It does, oh. and unfortunately, um, not only the threat of it, um, we are working with individuals who are have been transitioned one way or another into a long-term care facility who are very clear in their will and preferences not to be there. And um, we would look to support them to identify what alternatives and how they can be supported to return home, or if home isn't an option, is there somewhere else they may wish to be? Um, sometimes, unfortunately, there is there there are care needs that people have, and we also need to make sure that people are safe. They can, of course, make bad decisions, um, and that's their choice, but as safe as we can possibly support people to be is very important as well. Yeah, the whole idea is to try to help older people to live their best lives. I mean, that's, Absolutely. That, that, that is what it's all about. So, Miriam, to anyone listening who might have concerns, either about a family member or a neighbour or some older person that they know, how do they go about doing an intervention? Um, and I would say, you know, the, I thought the, the conversation is the starting point. If we're listening to people, if we really hear what they're saying and then actually what do they want because an intervention isn't what anybody else wants for them. It's, are they okay with telling somebody else? Do they want me to do it for them? Do they want me to get a phone number? Can I ring somebody now? Can they talk to somebody at this moment in time? Our phone number, and we are available 9 to 4 every day um, to support people with any queries. And There's a, a qualified social worker at the end of the line, and we're available on 021-4927-550 every day. So if you're with somebody and they're raising concerns, you don't really have to take it all on board. You can say, look, maybe if we talk to social worker and safeguarding, they might be able to give us some advice and guidance. And we are there to do that. Um, but I suppose it is listening to them and seeing where the person is at. Um, we are consent-based, so we will only do what the older person wants us to do and support them with what their will and preference is. We will not overstep. Obviously, if there's criminal matters, we have a duty to report them. But we will we will try to work at all times with the will of preference of the person who is that older person who needs that support at that time. And are you hearing of many cases here in Cork and Kerry? We do. Um, in um, We had over three, there's 300, over 340 cases of older persons abuse reported uh, across Cork and Kerry in 2022 and I would say that that is actually the tip of the iceberg. I think we are not hearing more than we are hearing. So we really do want people to think about their actions think about how they're behaving, how are they supporting older people. If there are supports out there, um, avail of them. Encourage your older people to have people in their lives and to live their best lives. 
um, and we are there if there is concerns, as are all of the professionals in people's lives, GPs, public health nurse, the Gardaí, all of these services are there. We work very collaboratively to ensure that people have the best life they can have. Okay, and I know the theme for this year is Hear Me, Support Me, Challenge Elder Abuse. That's Absolutely. A, that's a good, strong, it's a good, strong uh, theme. And if people are in and around uh, this city uh, this evening, they're, you're, the, the buildings are being lit up purple. Purple? Yeah. Yeah, purple is the colour of the day. Is so it? You, yeah. you may see people wearing purple ribbons or purple clothes even today, just marking yeah. the occasion and recognising. And I suppose that in its own right is speaking out to say that we do not want elder abuse to occur in our society. And we would encourage everybody to, I suppose, create the culture and society we want. Um, by taking part in that. And some prominent buildings around the city, uh, council buildings are being turned purple across Cork and Kerry. Um, and we also have a number of events whereby our own team are out today in community hospitals and daycare centres across Cork and Kerry, talking directly to older people, ensuring that they recognise when people are not treating them with respect and the dignity they deserve, ensuring that they know where to go, that they have access to people in their lives who can support them to make contact with us or other professionals if they need it and that they take a step forward to live lives free of abuse because they deserve it, entitled to it. It's their human right. Absolutely. Listen, you're doing fantastic work and I imagine it can be uh, tough work at uh, times, but well done trying to protect as many of our wonderful older people um, uh, as we can. Listen, Miriam, thank you for that and thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you very much, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Miriam Tobin, who is Principal Social Worker Safeguarding and Protection Team for the Cork and Kerry Community Health Care uh, Division. Uh, keep a lookout for it. it. It unfortunately is happening. I know we've spoken about elder abuse uh, in the past on the, on the programme, particularly with uh, Patricia uh, Rackard-Clark of Safeguarding Ireland. She often uh, talks about uh, elder abuse. Unfortunately, it is a reality. Older people deserve to lead their best lives and they deserve to lead to live it in safety and in comfort. Keep a lookout for your own elderly people in your own lives and your neighbours and friends. Court today on C103. All this week we have been getting a huge reaction to our daily prize for families to attend a fun day out at this year's Cork Summer Show, which of course is going to be held over two days this weekend at the Cork Showgrounds on Curraheen Road to preview this year's Cork Summer Show. I'm joined by Robert Harkin and Robert is President of the Munster Agricultural Society. Good morning to you, Robert. Good morning, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm very good and you're very welcome to the programme. Now, your society has been running this event in one form or another for over 200 years. What do you believe is, the, is the success of the Cork Summer Show? I suppose it's it's a major event in Cork. It's a showcase for all our exhibitors, for our um, competitors. It's the the... I suppose it's the Olympics for the for the competitors, except that it comes around every year, you know. So it's it's just such a gathering and a mix of all sorts of things that go on at the show, from oh, from our pets to our larger animals. You know, we've so many things to see and do at the show: live music. Um, you know, you could sit and have a picnic and watch what's going on around you. You can cuddle a rabbit. You know, there's so many different things for 
everybody from all generations this is what we find that we have from small children up to grandparents and they all all two three generations four generations sometimes come to the show and there's something there for everybody and what I always love about it and hearing stories about people saying I remember going there when I was a child and now people are going back as adults with their own children and in some cases they're they're going back there as grandparents and that's and that's what we see ourselves. And you know, it's 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 an outdoor party. Is is is, is all I can say. That the, the, the that's the sort of atmosphere that's there. Music, food, some drink, and so many different things to see. Um, and you know, we've we've this year we 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 it's the show is probably bigger than ever. We've over twenty thousand square meters undercover with our marquees, which is virtually five acres undercover. So there's so much that goes on in them, you know, from enterprise to cookery demonstrations, um, from the floral art, which is stunning. You, it should be seen by everybody. It's an amazing setup. We've stick making, you know, we have uh, honey, we've honeybees um, showing you with a, a glass hive that you can see how honey is actually oh. made inside the hives. It's Last fantastic. Yeah. Stuff. And it, it, it it's very much aimed at rural and urban communities, isn't it? So I suppose the, the rural urban divide is gone. We're, 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 you know, in Ireland, it's gone anywhere. But, but you know, so we'll say long ago, farmers only came to Cork once a month or once a year or whatever, you know, like back at, this is a long time ago now. But everybody now is mixing in at, at all times of the year and this is a combination of this so we have our, our farming community very much there but because we're based between Ballincollig and Cork City with both populations there we have a huge audience from that side. And I know and I've been talking about this all week that it is the largest food market in uh, Munster so from a food point of view what can people expect? Wow. So <laughs> anything from, that's it's it's so vast. Yeah. Can I can I cover it by saying anything from an ice cream to a five course meal? <laughs> so so does, the, that, does that does that make sense? Yeah. So you you definitely go hungry. Go spend the day there. Yeah. And, and, and you oh, can, yeah. absolutely. And you can buy, you know, all homemade produce, local produce. You can buy vegetables, you, you know, like it, 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 it's it's everything is there for we have the field of dreams with doing their, you know, which is uh, part of uh, Down Syndrome Ireland, yeah. Down Syndrome Cork. And they have a huge stand at it um, and they're showcasing their produce as well there, which is fantastic. And I love uh, one of the ones that you're doing in indoors in, is a cookery demonstration in the Marquee that literally starts, you know, at 10 in the morning with breakfast and then moves to brunch, uh, something for children and, and moves up along. I, I love the idea of that. So throughout the day, you can pop in, see one cookery demonstration, go somewhere else. And pop back again yeah, to, to yeah. see what you want to do. It, it, it's uh, yeah, so the, it's ongoing. It evolves as the day goes by, which is fantastic. We we actually have a home cook championship for 2023 on as well during on on Sunday, which is a big event again. It's you know it's um bake off or whatever you want to call it on yeah. BBC. It's something similar only we have it in Cork. It's yeah, it's 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 like the ready steady go. You've got 45 minutes, isn't it, to prepare a meal and then it gets judged. Correct. Yeah, and it's done. And and it's 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 um. You can you can see them watch all of this going on. It's live on a stage there. That's fun. That really is fun to watch. And the animal side of it, I always think for children, particularly children who don't come from a farming background, to get up close and personal with animals. Yeah. So we have 
all sorts of animals there, you know. So uh, on Saturday is a major cattle day. It's a major competition day for various breeds of cattle. Um, and that's very serious for the competitors, but it's fantastic to watch. Uh, you know, when they come, they come early in the morning. They come maybe half eight, nine o'clock. They bring their animals. And the preparation that goes into the animals, like mm-hmm. they're all washed in, in, at the cattle wash. They're, would you believe they use hair dryers to blow dry them? <laughs> to have them absolutely immaculate uh, and turned out their hoofs are all polished and they're stunning looking for the for the day. But that's the animals. We have horses. We have various different things. We've mounted games, which is really exciting. It's, uh, you know, younger children on ponies and they're racing and they're picking up uh, flags and dropping them into buckets and all that type of thing. It's, 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 there's a bit of buzz to that. Um, and then we have the showing classes for the horses and we have show jumping as well on, on as well for on, on Sunday. It's just, it's, it really is jam-packed. And music, you can't have the Cork Summer Show without some uh, musical Lots highlights. Lots of live music all, all day, like various bands there. Like I, I have to tell people to go to the CorkSummerShow.com uh, website um, and look at the 50 things to do because, you know, without looking at that, you, you'll, you'll really see what all the different things that are going going on there but the others so we have a full music uh, complement for for both days on so you can sit have your lunch and watch some music or okay. listen to some music uh, and I love the fact that the show this year you're, you're, you're and I know in the past you've always tried to be uh, sustainable but you're really trying to be sustainable uh, as ever this year and there's you know there's bins there for the proper segregation of waste and saying to people so if you're going yeah waste to, management yeah. obviously is a big thing you know like we'll have over 50,000 people at it so like there's a lot of waste that can happen over the over the few days but we're very conscious of that so we have bin segregation we have reusable cups we have water that you can Bring your fill your own water bottle well from well or your own per per uh, yeah which is fantastic. Yeah, bring your reusable coffee cup with you guys, please. And obviously, um, mm. on a sustainable point of view, try and use public transport to get to the event. So, yeah, we 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 okay. Whilst we have twenty five acres of parking, we really encourage alternative view of, of ways of getting there. So we've made it very easy for you. Um, we have a um, a free. Uh, park and ride bus that will bring you. So that's from four different venues in Cork, from the Straight Road to Carragrahan, uh, Ballincollig Shopping Centre, the Greyhound Track and the Black Ash. So you can get to there and get the free bus to there. The 208 bus, which is the main bus that runs throughout the city from Mayfield through to Patrick Street through to Cork, out to us, has been extended out. And that's every, I, I think every 30 minutes or less mm. um, the, the 208 bus so you can get on the 208 bus anywhere in Cork and it will bring you to the door of, of the show of, of the showgrounds Now tickets um, Robert are you I know we've been saying as part of our, our competition this week we're advising people to book their tickets uh, online uh, is that what you're telling people to do or can they buy them on the day? Uh, you can buy them on the day you can buy them on the day ideally if you book them online you're walking straight in and you're showing your ticket and you're walking straight in there is a bit of a queue for paying for, for tickets at the gate but we have 15 hatches for selling tickets so there's no there's no issue but we find that a lot of people now are just buying their tickets online and they're, they're you know there's a so there's a different queue when you've them bought and, and you just walk straight in and, and, and you're, you're, you're in straight away um, but are, you are know you accept- at, 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 at at peak times, we kind of have a little bit of a queue when they're paying at the gate. Are you accepting cash and cards? Cash and gate? cards, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. And right. we have um, an ATM as well for cash back if somebody's looking for cash back. Okay, and believe me, there's so much to buy. I'd be I'd be bringing an empty wallet uh, or a full wallet. It might go <laughs> a full home wallet empty. and an yeah. empty shopping bag. Yeah, yeah. It might, it absolutely. Might, yeah. We, we, 
we have over 300 trade stands at the show, you know, and they come back year after year, you know, anything from a raincoat to, to whatever you want to buy is there, you know, like a lot of people like um, come and they, you know, they bring home gifts, you can bring home plants, you can bring home whatever you like from, from, from the show. Yeah, and it's a great opportunity for some of the smaller artists and producers who don't always get the opportunity to showcase no, it's nice. I, uh, yeah, I you know, like, yeah, we, like so, we have we have done various different zones. We've done up to twenty zones now this time in our show. So it kind of themes the whole area from you know music zone, show jumping. We've a canine, which is dogs. We've pet dog show, equine. But we've arts and crafts and baking. We've poultry. You know, we've floral art, vegetables, horticulture. There's so many little things. The other thing I missed out on for children, the small small animals are fantastic that they can get up and cuddle a rabbit, yeah. see an alpaca and all of that. You know, which you just don't get to see them anywhere else you know um, which is fantastic and somebody's asking sorry Robert somebody's asking how much are tickets how much is entry that's a good question now so they're good value so I think children under 12 go free under 16 or a fiver and then adults I think are 25 euros Exactly. But then your family, your family passes then as well, you know, so you have, I think it's a 60 euros for um, a family pass, two adults, three kids under 18, which okay. is great. Because I, 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 I take it you try and keep the, the tickets as low as possible. I, we're not in this profit, you know, under yeah. any circumstances. We, we, we just have to put some sort of a cost to, 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 the, to the ticket price as such. But you've 10 hours of entertainment for your for, for, for your entry okay. you know, and like what time does it open each day? 9 o'clock nine in the o'clock. morning Okay. 9 o'clock until 6 o'clock but that's kind of half 6, 7 o'clock invariably that we, 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 we the field would clear but that's a long day then you know and we, we have people parking up at 8 o'clock and getting the buses early the buses on the, on the move from half 8 so you know we've, we've people coming in from that sort of length of time Well there's so much there's the so much to see you really would want to give yourself uh, the entire day uh, Absolutely yeah you know and I suppose this year the weather might be a little bit mixed on Saturday so you have the opportunity that we've as I said We've under uh, just under twenty thousand square meters of indoor viewing as well. You know, so uh, like if if we have a shower, you can go indoors, look at the the, the various things that go on indoors, and you've outdoors. So you have, you have a combination of both. Yeah, and a lot of those showers they pass off really quick, and the fact that you ah, uh, it's, there, there, it's yeah. only you know look, we've had such fine weather all along. We're expecting a thunder shower too. Yeah, mightn't come, but look, just be be prepared. Okay, <laughs> but we have we've we've all eventualities covered. Hopefully, I, I know a lot of work, uh, Robert. It uh, goes into it goes into this, doesn't it? In the in the background, it does. To be fair, Patricia, a huge um, team of people, uh, volunteers. Ninety five percent of them, we have some professionals involved. Uh, it just obviously because it's such a big event. Um, but Monster Rag members and 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 so on are all volunteers uh, for 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 this event. Okay, listen, good luck with it and enjoy it as well because that's what it's all about. Oh, we do, we know, yeah, we, 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 we really enjoy it. It's, it's, it's a great place to meet friends and, you know, people that you mightn't have seen since last year. It's fantastic. We, we, we see it every day, every year at the show, different people that you wouldn't have seen maybe since the last show. But, you know, it's a great time to catch up. Okay. And, uh, hopefully, as I said, it's, a, it's an outdoor party. Please come along early. Okay, listen, Robert, thank you for that and t- thanks for taking time out to talk to us.
Thanks, Patricia. Take Good care. Good morning you. to you. Robert Harkin there, President of the Munster Agricultural uh, Society, who are once again organising the Cork Summer Show across this weekend. C103, we're very proud media partners for this year's Cork Summer Show, which is happening this weekend, Saturday and uh, Sunday. Tickets are available at corksummershow.com and you can get all the information that we spoke about in the last uh, hour. Uh, with Robert Harkin if you want there's so much going on at the Summer Show this year so if you check out their website you can find out exactly what is planned if you're going on the Saturday or on the Sunday but we have a family pass to try to get you and your loved ones in off to see the Cork Summer Show this weekend our family show entry ticket is for two adults and two children there's also a family lunch voucher for the four of you at O'Cruley's on-site restaurant and there is also some passes to go on on the amusements to have the children and the adults if they want to go on the uh, Marys. All this week we've been giving you Cork places that you might like to visit this summer. Today's uh, question and this is by text and WhatsApp only uh, please and today's question is if I can find it. Today's question is what signal tower is on the most southerly point of the wild Atlantic way? What signal tower is on the most southerly point of the wild Atlantic way? If you know the answer to that, I need you to text or WhatsApp now, please. 86 As we've been doing all week, we leave it open for about 10 minutes. And then from all of the correct answers, we will select today's winner who win that family pass along with the lunch and the amusement rides to go to the summer show. What signal tower is on the most southerly point of the wild Atlantic way? Get texting and WhatsApping, please. Hold off on your text or WhatsApps for questions for Jane because I don't want to get them lost in the middle of all of the competition uh, entries. If you have a pet question though you can call John Paul he can take the calls at 0818 103 103 and Breather I've just spotted a text in from Breather uh, wants to know does anybody know how to get rid of a swarm of wasps in the roof of the house since Monday afternoon uh, Breather says I don't want to kill them but but I don't want to have to strip the roof uh, either okay now I know whenever if it was, was bees we'd be getting onto a beekeeper for a swarm of wasps, normally we tell everybody don't even try and do that kind of work yourself. You're normally trying to call in the experts. Uh, does anybody else have advice, though, or is going down contacting the experts the only way for breather? A swarm of wasps in the roof of her house since a Monday afternoon. I take it they don't just go away themselves or, they, or do they? I don't know. 0818 103 103 and in the last hour I spoke with Miriam Tobin who was um, social worker with the Cork and Kerry uh, Community Health Care Safeguarding and Protection uh, Team and uh, a couple of people have been on to us saying that they'd like Miriam's number now. I don't know whether they themselves are victims of elder abuse or maybe they're very much listening to what I was talking with Miriam about. If you're concerned about somebody else, contact the safeguarding uh, team and they certainly will you know, check out what is uh, going on. So for anybody looking for that number, you can contact the Cork Kerry safeguarding team. It's a Cork number 021 492 7550 021 
0818-4927-550. Now, they operate Monday to Friday in the mornings. They're there from 9 until 1. And then in the afternoon, it's from 2 to 4. So 9 to 1, 2 to 4, Monday to Friday. And of course, at any time of the day or night, you can email safeguarding.cho4 at hse.ie safeguarding.cho4 at hse.ie Mags listening to Miriam Tobin talking about elder abuse says I think it is unimaginable unthinkable elder abuse says says Mags is the world gone mad Mags said I've looked after elderly and terminally ill people I've done it for 25 years and I've loved and respected each and every one of them and they are so vulnerable. I think nursing homes should have cameras everywhere except obviously the toilet cubicles and they should be monitored more if somebody is living at home as it is inhumane to disrespect elderly people says Mags. Yeah and that's one of the reasons that we ran at the interview is just to get people talking about elder, elder abuse and as well it's to get the older person because sometimes the older person they're afraid to speak out and they need to speak out but I think others who are in close contact with an elderly person. If you have any concerns, that's why you need to ring the safeguarding team just to make sure. And actually, when the Cork Kerry Community Healthcare team got on to us, they, you know, in their press release, they were talking about, you know, all the different forms that elder abuse takes. Because I think the minute we hear the word abuse, we automatically think, oh, that must be physical abuse. Somebody, you know, is, is, is being physically hurt. And it isn't, you know, as Miriam pointed out, elder abuse can take so many different forms, even, you know, neglect. That is elder uh, abuse and the emotional abuse. I mean, to hear, you know, Miriam talk about somebody... It was said to some older person that, you know, I won't let you see the grandchildren if you don't do what I want you to do. I mean, that's just shocking uh, emotional abuse. But they also highlighted cases and this this would be, I suppose, under the heading of neglect of an older person saying that when the family member comes in, you know, to help them so that they're obviously trying to lead an independent life uh, as they can and that they they put the older person at five o'clock in the day into their nightdress or their pyjamas so that they're ready for bed at five o'clock in the day. And the older person is uh, saying, you know, that's so early for me to be ready for bed. But I'm, I, and even though they speak up and try to say to whoever's caring for them and their family members, it's too early. The answer they get back, oh, I'm too busy. Um, you know, I, 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 I can't come back to help you. So I have to do it now. And then the older person just accepts it because they don't want to delay the person that who is helping them out. And then some another older person was reported as saying that, Obviously, it's an adult son living uh, with the the older person saying that when he comes in after drink, he shouts at me. But then in the next breath said, oh, he never lays a finger on me. He's had a hard life. So straight away trying to justify why this adult son will be shouting at an older person. It's your own home. Nobody, absolutely nobody uh, should be shouting at you. And what we referenced as well, the case of locking somebody into a bedroom, like somebody admitted that they lock their older uh, father into the bedroom in case he wanders when the person goes out and then says well I pop back in and I'll check on him a few times during the day but that is abuse and I know it's probably done with the best of intentions and it's probably done to keep the person uh, safe but you know it's 
if they if they can't be left on their own, then it's care and attention that they actually need. You need help and support so that that person, when the carer is out of the house, has somebody with them. But I mean, that's, that's just some of the forms of uh, abuse that is taking place. And as Miriam said, even though they've you know they're last year looking at over three hundred uh, cases that they are looking into of reported cases of uh, abuse, she says their gut feeling is that that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more of it going on, but but people are older people are simply afraid and onlookers are afraid to speak out and call it out for what it is. 0818 103 103. I was just looking actually when the news was on at 12, just seeing online that the latest figures on employment, well it's not the latest figures, it's a report on employment that's been released by the Department of Enterprise uh, Trade and Employment and it makes for interesting reading. The number of people working in two or more jobs has increased significantly over the past 20 years. At the end of last year, 80,000 people aged between 15 and 64 said that they are working two or more jobs and that when you compare 20 years previously there would have been approximately 30,000 so it's gone up to 80,000 now I think a lot of that has got to do with the cost of living it's got to do with the cost of mortgages mortgages going up rental costs have never been so high and in order just to keep their head above water I'm assuming that's why people are working more than uh, one job and it doesn't end at 64 year olds there was about 40 sorry there's about 4,000 people aged over 65 who also admitted that they are employed in multiple jobs and again that if that is not evidence that the state pension is simply not enough for some older people to live on particularly if they don't own their own house and they've got rent uh, to pay and um also, looking at these uh, figures that have come out, the report does show, this is the real good news from this report, the number of people in employment in Ireland has recovered strongly since COVID-19. Obviously, during the pandemic, a lot of people were either out of work or fur- furloughed or they were working part-time hours. In the fourth quarter of last year, there were 257 million people in employment and if you compare that this report is comparing our figures to 20 years ago that's almost 40% more people are now in work than they were in 2002 the most recent increase in employment though has been seen with more women entering the workforce with opportunities opening up now particularly with remote working 120,000 more women are working now than we're working in 2019. So since the pandemic, that's a huge, huge number of women going out to work. And the report also notes that digitalisation that allows for the growth of so-called platform work, and this is where people work collaboratively online to perform certain tasks, that can be done remotely and is often done on a freelance basis or through short-term uh, contracts. And there's a huge growth uh, in that. And there has been a bigger increase in part-time employment compared to full-time employment. Looking back over the last 20 years, there's been a 77% increase in part-time employment and full-time employment has gone up by 32%. So there's a lot of people, 2.57 million people now in employment. And that also uh, ties in with when the figures come out, when the tax figures uh, come out, there's, you know, there's a there's a handy amount of money goes into the exchequer from people out at work. So we're near, I'm, I'm assuming from that 2.57 million people, we are at or nearly at full employment. So that's a good news story. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 
103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Tickets are on sale at Thornhills Pharmacy and Kildallery Community Office for Kildallery National School's music musical opening tonight and it runs through until the 17th. Tickets are €10. Euro. Kildallery Lottery next draw. That's in the community office this afternoon at 4. The jackpot there is at 9 thousand euro and Blarney and District Historical Society are presenting a field trip to Waterloo uh, this evening. The meet is at 7.20 at St Mary's Church. The speaker will be John Mulcahy and everyone is welcome. There is no uh, charge. There will be a KB held in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic tomorrow night, Friday. Dancing from half nine. Music by Jer Murphy. Admission €10, Euro, which does include teas. And there's a concert of light classical music by Mozart, Handel and others in St Martin's Church in Temple Martin tomorrow night, Friday. That's at eight. There will be refreshments served during the uh, interval. And there's a fundraising dance in the CMS Hall in Newmarket on Friday night with music by Sheila Fitzgerald, Mike Condon, Sean Hickey and more. Proceeds are going to the Cancer Connect service. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. And you can stop texting us on our Cork Summer Show competition. I'll announce the winner in a moment. But firstly, a uh, couple of people have been on with advice for Breather, who has what she says is a swarm of wasps in the roof of her house since uh, Monday. Uh, so Maria says they may be bees uh, because bees are swarming at the moment. The Cork County Beekeepers Association is the best place to uh, go. Tell her, Google them and she should be able to get a contact number for them. That's from Maria. Thank you for that, Maria. And somebody else is saying, uh, Patricia, swarm of wasps. It's either a swarm of bees or a nest of wasps because wasps don't swarm. Ah, there's somebody in the know. It's a prime swarming season, by the way, for bees. Any beekeeper would be able to help breather and advise her and possibly even remove the bees. Uh, the bees contact the local beekeepers association and uh, Dennis our great friend who listens to us online in Oxford says call a professional a beekeeper will be able to locate the hive and then Dennis has some good words of advice use mothballs hung near the nest it deters bees natural spices like cinnamon also ideal for making bees leave and go elsewhere Use eucalyptus, use citronol or mint oils to deter bees from coming into your home. That's from Dennis listening to us in Oxford. Thank you for that, uh, Dennis. Now, our competition for the Cork Summer Show. The question I asked was, what signal tower is the most southerly point of the wild Atlantic uh, way? And it wasn't as easy as I thought because a lot of people uh, got it uh, wrong. For uh, for example, somebody thought it was Valencia uh, like and I even saw somebody thinking that it was Bray Head, but it wasn't. The answer is the old head signal tower in Kinsale. That is the most southerly point of the Wild Atlantic Way. And we do have our winner. And our winner today is Carmel 
Sline in Inishan and congratulations to you Carmel you now have a family pass for you two adults two children to go along to the summer show you'll get lunch at a Cruley's on-site restaurant and you'll have free amusement rides enjoy your day out if anyone else if you want to buy tickets corksummershow.com and by the way we will do it for the final time tomorrow we have our final uh, pass to give away and of course also on tomorrow's show we are continuing with our hours to protect uh, feature and tomorrow we're going to hear about the UCC Green Shoots initiative how to make your garden more environmentally friendly we'll look at how to start introducing organic planting into your garden and where do you go if you want to join a community garden group that's ours to protect uh, here on the programme tomorrow at about 22 uh, 12 and somebody says Patricia did you, have you read the Irish Times today. Did you see the latest opinion poll on how the relevant parties are doing? Uh, Jim says it makes for interesting uh, reading. Yeah, and this is the latest poll is out. And I can tell you on this poll, Sinn Féin have gone down four percentage points to 31. Uh, Fianna Gael down four to 18. Fianna Fáil went up three to 21. The Greens remain the same on four. Labour remain unchanged on four. Social Democrats up three to five. And then others, and that will include the smaller parties and the independents, they're up two to uh, 17. So this uh, Ipsos Irish Times poll shows support for Fianna Gael and for Sinn Féin has uh, slumped while it's Fianna Fáil and Social Democrats they are the ones that see a slight increase the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar also sees his personal ratings fall sharply in this poll so that's certainly unlikely to ease any of the nerves that are there within the Fianna Gael uh, party. The party has never been lower in the Ipsos series of polls since 1994 and it's only been at this level 18% once since the last election. Now Sinn Féin are maintaining a substantial lead over their rivals and they still remain the most popular party and they remain the most popular party by some distance. However I'm assuming they will be disappointed that they have seen a fall um, at 31%. It is their lowest level in two years. Fianna Fáil support uh, increased by 3 points. I'm sure Michal Martin and the rest will be pleased with that to 21. While interesting for the Social Democrats, their support has jumped, jumped by three points. They're now at 5%. And that's this is the first Irish Times poll since Holly Kearns took over as leader in March. So is that a bit of the Holly bounce? Satisfaction with the overall government, that's fallen by four points. It now stands at 34%. While Leo Varadkar has also seen his personal ratings slump. He is down from 43% in February. He's taken a bit of a dip. He's down 6%. He's down to 37% in today's poll. Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou, she remains now the most popular party leader at 42% and that's unchanged since the last uh, poll. But Micheál Martin, his satisfaction rate has dropped. He was the most popular in the February poll. Uh, He was at 45%. He's gone down four percentage points to uh, 41. And that's despite the fact that the Fianna Fáil party uh, went up. The Green Party uh, leader, he's had a very slight decline. He's down two percentage points. And in this poll, satisfaction rating with Eamon Ryan is at uh, 2%. Uh, percent. So if you were to look at this poll and people, 
and you took this poll as being an actual election, it would mean that Sinn Féin is on course to be the largest party in the next doll. Now, who it might form a coalition government with, uh, if at all, is actually unclear. Today's poll numbers suggest that the smaller parties are likely to have a significant role in any post-election uh, uh, discussions because the 40 or the 31% that Fianna Fáil are on and if they were to align with the 17% from the independent and the others, they will, they they could be the king uh, makers. But uh, there's, but uh, there's definitely some changes there and certainly not good news for Lear Varadkar. He certainly won't be happy uh, with that, both a slump in support for the party but also a 6% drop in his own support. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And just to say, we are following up on this from Christopher in Yall. He travels uh, a lot by bus from Yall to Parnell Place in the city. But he's noticed of late at the Parnell Place bus station, the toilets close at 6pm in the evening. And he said what he started to notice is tourists coming into the area looking for a toilet before they jump on a bus or if they get off the bus and they can't access the toilets after 6pm. Christopher said that the, the toilets were normally open. He can't understand because the bus station is still open there are people coming and going it's still quite busy and especially now that we're into the summer season why are they closing the uh, toilets in Parnell Place and that could be a staffing issue I don't know but we're getting on to Bus Air and uh, Christopher and as soon as we hear back from them we will uh, bring you the answer now let me go to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street uh, Veterinary Group where I'm joined by our resident vet Jane Pickett good afternoon to you Jane Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. And let's get straight into questions. Some of them seems to be a lot of behavioural questions going on at the moment. This is a kind of a relevant one. Uh, Jenny's on about her King Charles, three-year-old, neutered, adorable, much-loved dog, but he is terrified of thunder. And with thunder forecast for later on, she's wondering, is there anything she can do to keep the situation calm for him? Mm, this is always a really difficult one um, because I suppose it's it's something that doesn't happen very often, thankfully, thunder and lightning. So let's say our pets don't get habituated to it, so accept it as normal. So it is that big, scary, occasional thing that happens. What I'd say is that if your pet is really anxious, the main thing is keep them inside, keep them safe. Okay, so don't let them wander outside unless they're on a lead and very, very secure with you. Um, because obviously if they get a fright, they'll run off and they may run off in a blind panic and not be able to find their way home. So the first thing really is make sure they're secure. Second thing is, I suppose, acknowledge that they're probably going to be really scared and you need to be that calming force in the house for them. So they feed a lot off our energy and they're really incredibly perceptive creatures at reading body language. So if you're nervous about your pet having, I suppose, an anxious response to the thunder and lightning, they'll get anxious because you're anxious to a degree. Now, it may not be the whole picture, but it certainly doesn't help. So I say the best thing you can do personally is just try and stay as relaxed as possible. You know, you're taking care of your pet. They're inside. They're secure. You're going to take measures to make them feel better. So at least they're not worrying why their mum or dad, why their owner is all anxious and that's feeding into it. 
The next thing is make sure there's a quiet, comfy spot that they can go and hide in. So a lot of the time their instinct will be to go and hide somewhere quiet. So if they have somewhere that they're used to being, then brilliant, build on that. Maybe add some kind of blankets as a little bit of kind of noise um, and noise cancelling around it. That can be a really, really helpful thing. Um, and if you don't have somewhere like that, a really helpful thing to do is a, a dog crate or a, a dog dog box, as it were, and put blankets over the top of it. So you're kind of creating a, an almost noisy insulated little area for them and um, somewhere nice and quiet and let them go and hide if I suppose the temptation a lot of the time is to try and keep them with us and sometimes that's not the most helpful thing in the background play I suppose calm music so classical music that's quite chilled out um, is a really helpful thing sometimes and a little bit louder than usual to try and mask the sound a little bit or let's say if they're in with you guys watching the tv and that's where they want to be to put that on a little bit louder just to try and mask the noise a lot of the reaction they get though is to the vibration of it not the noise so it is a bit of a difficult thing to control but look like everything the storm will pass your pet yeah. will hopefully be happy back in themselves again but i suppose as the final thing although they may be secure accidents can happen they can get out make sure your pet is microchipped yeah. and that the registration so don't get lost. Is, the, yeah. the registration's up I, to date. I know i remember having a friend of mine and it was almost like i you know the way dogs seem to have a sixth sense um he would always hide under the bed whenever there was any kind of a thunderstorm yes. and mm-hmm. you can only predict when the thunderstorm was going to happen because the dog would literally make for there was one particular bed and he'd be hiding under there when the thunderstorm was on it's almost like they can sense it is it can, can a dog sense they, it I, I think they can one of my own dogs Margot is exactly the same so a little like let's say half an hour or an hour before thunder kicks off she will just start shaking and she'll go and hide and yeah. I know something's up then um, so I think they are a lot more perceptive, I suppose, to low level noise and vibration that we are as a humans. Their their ears and I suppose their other senses are far well better trained than we are. So they'll pick these things up earlier. I'm smiling that you've got a dog called Margot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, La- yes. <laughs> Larry has been on to us about his sheepdog mix. He howls at the very same time every night, eight o'clock. He said, Larry says you can almost set your clock by him. It's the only time of the day he does it. Is he picking up on something? <laughs> He might be. Um, he might be picking up on something. It is possible. Um, again, I suppose their senses are just so much more attuned than we are. Maybe he's hearing something far off in the distance that happens like clockwork at that time every night and he's responding to it. So it might just be something we're not perceiving or picking up um, that he's responding to. I think as long as he otherwise seems happy in himself and he doesn't seem stressed out, it may just be one of those things. Um, they might just be, you know, having a little howl, singing the song yeah. and then it passes over. It's probably not too much of a worry as long as he's otherwise well yeah and and he's only doing the one off you don't have it at three o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning now Eileen in Bantry exactly. was on to us earlier she's got a two a two year nine month old Labrador so short of his third birthday male now this is uh, the last two and a half weeks he started eating the stone chips in the driveway he's walked twice mm-hmm. a day he's got lots of toys he's well fed he's very healthy but she's wondering is he lacking in some minerals He's never done it before. He's only recently started in the last two and a half weeks. He got sick last night and some of the chips actually came up. Mm. That can be a really worrying behaviour. I think obviously, you know, we don't want them to be unwell and eating stone chips or stones can lead to big, big stomach problems. So it's the main thing is, as well as being quite irritant and sharp on the tummy, they can cause blockages um, and really serious ones that might require surgery and be life threatening. So if you can, whilst you're sorting it out, restrict his access to that area or only let him there when you're supervising him on lead, then that will be ideal. 
it's strange that it started all of a sudden, but look, maybe he's just got a notion that that's what he wants to play with. A lot of the time, I say try and redirect that behaviour into... I suppose it tends to be kind of a foraging, rustling behavior. So using things, I suppose, like snuffle mats, you can, if you Google them online, you'll see what I mean. They're like little bits of fabric that you can hide food in. Um, but a lot of the time, it really is just a habit that they build that you have to try and kind of redirect um, into something else. But safety first, no chips, um, if possible at all. As regards him lacking something, it's actually really unlikely as long as he's fed a good quality, complete dog food. If he's on a slightly more unusual diet, for example, if he's fed a home cooked diet or a raw fed diet, there is a possibility he might have a deficiency, which is leading him to try and seek out other nutritional sources. And that behavior is interesting. It's a lovely word. It's called pika. Um, it's a really interesting one. But that is actually exceedingly uncommon in our average dog um, as long as they're fed a normal complete diet i think the main thing is if he's otherwise well it's most slightly behavioral but if you're in any way worried that he's not well in himself if he's losing weight losing condition and um, losing his appetite then he really warrants a trip to the vet just to double check okay Teresa wants to know how soon can a young cat be neutered after having kittens so the cat's already been caught out Mm, okay um so yes well done for kind of you know thinking ahead um, and trying to get ahead of the next the next litter of kittens um it is a difficult one i think ideally we want to get in there in that sweet spot where all of the let's say the the memories so the I suppose the mammary glands, the breast tissue has kind of regressed after they've stopped feeding their young, but before they're able to get pregnant again. And that's actually a really tiny window in cats. I would normally say you need to work with your vet on this one. Let them know the situation so that they can, you know, have in the back of their head that little cat needs spaying over the next few weeks. Because a lot of times veterinary practices will have their lists for their surgeries many weeks ahead. So let them know now that that's your situation. Let them know when when she had the kitten so they'll be able to time it. I would say it'll probably at least be after they're weaned, probably two or three weeks after that. Kittens usually kind of naturally wean themselves at four to six weeks. Um, and they need to be weaned because that, that way there'll be kind of no continued stimulus for there to be continued milk production and things will begin to settle down. But why I say work closely with your vet is that that rate at which the breast tissue regresses and they're safe for surgery varies a lot from cat to cat. Um, so I would say it may be a case that you might need to, after the kittens are weaned, work with your vet to bring her in for a check to see if they're happy that everything has settled down enough. And maybe to do that, let's say a week or two after they're weaned, but have a chat with them now so that they know to be planning ahead. But it is a difficult and tight window to get into. Because they could get pregnant very quickly afterwards. Oh, very quickly. Very, very quickly. Mm. Um, and I suppose that's the thing. One cat can produce thousands and thousands of kittens um, down the line. So it's really worth getting every single cat spayed to limit our feral cat population. So well, well done to the listener on getting ahead and trying to get ahead of the next litter. OK, and staying on cats, uh, a family recently welcomed a new addition to the house. It's a six month old kitten. Everything's going fine, potty trained the lot. Uh, but but cries at night, uh, we leave her in the kitchen and uh, I can hear her when I'm up in bed. Will she grow out of it? She may well do. It might just be that she's trying to adjust to her routine. 
Um, cats as well, you know, they're although they do tend to be awake while we're awake, a lot of them do fall into slightly nocturnal patterns at certain points in the year. Um, a lot of them will be night hunters, for example. So it may just be that this cat, for some particular reason, has fallen into a slightly different sleep pattern, and that may that may pass once there's no kind of uh, I suppose once there's nothing big and exciting happening overnight for them to be to be doing like hunting if they're kept inside is quite likely though their circadian rhythm will realign but i would say it'll probably pass as long as they don't seem distressed and i suppose that they have access to their kind of food water litter tray that there's not some reason that they're howling for attention i would say you know pop down just soothe them if you hear them if you hear them meowing and you're concerned pop down soothe them check everything's okay pop back to bed and it will lightly pass over time it could just be an adjustment period isn't it absolutely absolutely that's the thing Okay, listen, have a lovely week and we'll chat again to you uh, next Thursday. Lovely, thank you very Thanks much. Thanks a million. That is uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital and they are part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. I mentioned the Ipsos Irish Times opinion poll that is out uh, today uh, showing the support for the various parties and it's a kind of a mixed uh, bag uh, with uh, Sinn Féin and Fianna Gael both going uh, down. The only part, the party going up was Fianna Fáil and along with the Social Democrats and in the Independents and others went up by 2% as well. Brian makes an interesting point. He said those jokes, those polls really are a joke, says our Brian. What every, what, whatever party or parties, as is the case here, are running the country, they're always the ones that will take the biggest hit in any of these opinion polls. Brian said, we should let Sinn Féin run the country for a year and then see what state we would be in, said uh, Brian. So I suppose if Sinn Féin were in power and we were running this opinion poll, would we be getting the opposite of you? Well, according to this opinion poll and in fairness, the last number of opinion polls, the support for uh, Sinn Féin, they are way out ahead of any of the other uh, political parties. But only time will tell. We know how different opinion polls can be to what actually happens when, when people actually go because the poll that counts is the one where we cast our vote and that's not going to be happening until next year. Now we've had a couple of calls in uh, today from uh, people in Cork City to report a dead horse that's lying in a laneway. Now we did get a, we did a, get a call on Tuesday uh, and they noticed the dead horse and they rang animal services but they're back on to us today saying nothing has been done and this dead horse is still on the site lying in the laneway and then a fox was seen near the dead horse this morning and we've contacted Cork City Council to see if they can do an intervention and uh, we'll have an update on that hopefully tomorrow. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and I'm back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Cork today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.